welcome to the All Purpose NFL Podcast. I'm your host, AP, and in this week's episode, I will talk about the Raiders' big win over the Broncos, Drew Brees' injury, and Lamar Jackson's ability to get it done in the big games. But first... Highlights, analysis, and a few hard hits. This is the Game Day Blitz. The Colts took over first place of the AFC South with a 34-17 victory over the Titans. This game kicked off interestingly. Literally. The opening kick return by the Titans featured a fake reverse but was only returned to the 33-yard line. The Titans drove the rest of the way down the field and scored a touchdown on a short pass from Ryan Tannehill to running back Deontay Foreman after converting the first fourth and one of the drive the Colts were unable to convert a second time and gave the ball up on downs on their first drive of the game after a Titans punt the Colts were able to get a field goal to make the score seven to three the Titans would respond with a field goal of their own the Colts tied the game on an eight play 80 yard drive that was capped off by a Naheem Hines 13 yard catch and run touchdown the Titans fired back with a nine play 75 yard drive John o. Smith scored the touchdown on a jet sweep that completely caught the Colts off guard. Very good play call by the Titans. The Colts were able to kick a field goal to cut the lead to 13-17 going into halftime. On the first drive of the second half, the Colts took the ball to the one-yard line on a 15-play drive that took seven and a half minutes off the clock. They converted two fourth downs on the drive, but not the final one at the one-yard line, so the Titans got the ball back. They didn't do much with it and were forced to punt. This is where the wheels start to come off for Tennessee. This punt only traveled 17 yards to give the Colts the ball on the Tennessee 27-yard line. Naheem Hines punched the ball into the end zone for the touchdown four plays later. The Titans went three and out on the following drive, and then the punt was blocked by EJ Speed, who sped (laughs) in unblocked to get to the ball the Colts recovered the ball and ran it into the end zone the Colts went from down four to up by 10 in under a minute the Titans tried to cut the lead to seven but Steven Gostowski missed a 44 yard field goal attempt and the Colts got the ball back four plays later Jacoby Brissett scored his first touchdown of the season on a two-yard run to put the Colts up 34 to 17 the Titans would put together one more significant drive but failed on a fourth and down conversion. Both teams put in backups to finish off the game. I expected this game to be close and a hard-fought battle. Technically it was, but the second half got away from the Titans and they were never able to get it back. The first half for the Titans was going great. Tannehill was doing well. Derrick Henry was showing up yards. The second half was a completely different story, primarily because of special teams problems. Those first Three drives that ended in special teams miscues led to 21 unanswered points for the Colts, which is very hard to overcome. Ryan Tannehill continues to struggle in third and long situations. The Titans were 0-5 on third and 5+, and the passes that were completed by Tannehill were all short of the marker. This is a problem that continues to come up, but was not the biggest issue of the day for the Titans. The Colts looked good overall, but their insistence on going for it on fourth down was weird. Four of their fourth down tries were well within field goal range, but they didn't kick the ball. It it was just weird. Didn't make sense. Phillip Rivers looked like the good version of Phillip Rivers and threw for 309 yards and a touchdown with no interception. But the true stars of the game were Naheem Hines and Michael Pittman, who both had great days. 
Pittman went for 101 yards on seven catches, and Hines had 70 yards on the ground and 45 through the air, along with a touchdown on both ground and air. This version of the Colts could be very dangerous, but they have to continue on this path to have success, and Rivers can't make bad plays. Both teams have major tests this Sunday. The Colts face the Packers, and the Titans face the Ravens. The Las Vegas Raiders beat the Denver Broncos 37-12. The Raiders got on the board first thanks to a Josh Jacobs 11-yard touchdown run. The Broncos responded to that touchdown with a field goal of their own. After a few drives where neither team did much with the ball, the Broncos scored another field goal to make the score 7-6. The Raiders would score a field goal before halftime to make the score 10-6. The Raiders would score a field goal to start the second half, and after a three and out from the Broncos, the Raiders would score a touchdown to make the score 20 to 6. That touchdown was Josh Jacobs' second of the afternoon. Drew Locke would throw his third pick of the game, which would lead to a Raiders field goal. After punts from both teams, the Broncos would fumble on their own seven-yard line, and Devontae Booker would run it in for the touchdown on the first play of the Raiders' ensuing drive. The Broncos would respond with a touchdown of their own to cut the lead to 12-30 to on a 7-yard catch by Deshaun Hamilton. The Raiders got the ball back and ran the ball 7 consecutive times with Devontae Booker who capped the drive off with a 23-yard touchdown run. The Broncos made a push to make the game respectable in the final drive but Drew Locke threw his 4th interception of the day to close out the game. Neither of these teams looked particularly good to start the game. After Locke's first interceptions, both teams went three and out on three straight possessions. The Raiders were able to pull away in the third, but it wasn't by much. The score said this win was way more lopsided than the game actually was. Derek Carr threw for under 175 yards for the third consecutive game and had no points in the game. Not a touchdown on running, not passing, no points for Derek Carr. The team is finding success during this slump for him, but it's not a winning formula and will likely lead to problems against better opponents. Josh Jacobs continues to shine, though, and had his second 100-plus yard game in the last three outings. The Broncos look bad again, and the quarterback is the biggest thing they can look to as the reason for that. Their struggles defensively can easily be explained away with their number of injuries to key players, but Drew Locke seems to be an issue. He has the occasional flash, but overall he's proven that although he can be a starter in this league, he's not one that most people will want in that position. The road for the Broncos doesn't get any easier as they welcome the surging Dolphins on Sunday. The Raiders will look to sweep the Chiefs in their season series on Sunday night. Thanks to a last second play, the Cardinals beat the Bills 32-30. The Cardinals got on the board first with a field goal. The Bills responded with a touchdown on a trick play where Isaiah McKenzie threw a pass to Josh Allen and he ran in the pass for the touchdown. Very similar to, you know, the Philly special. After a Cardinals punt, the team's trade field goes back and forth until halftime with the score being 16-9. Literally, it went field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. The second half started with a punt from the Bills, but on the first play of the Cardinals drive, Kenyon Drake coughed up the ball and the Bills converted that turnover to seven points thanks to a Cole Beasley 22-yard touchdown catch. The Cardinals took the ball 75 yards in nine plays to score a touchdown on, of their own by Kyler Murray, who ran it in from one yard out. After a Bills punt, the Cardinals kicked a field goal to make the score 23-19. Josh Allen threw a pick on the ensuing drive, and the Cardinals scored a touchdown off of the turnover to take a 26-23 lead. 
Neither team did anything productive with the ball for the next few drives, including interceptions by both quarterbacks. With under four minutes left in the game, the Bills got the ball and drove it down the field 78 yards and took the lead on a beautiful pass to Stephon Diggs. With 32 seconds left, the Cardinals got the ball back and after a few plays to get in the proper position, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins pulled off what seemed impossible and connected on a 43-yard Hail Mary to win the game. Although the pass and the catch were both amazing, one of the things that will probably get lost is the way that Kyler Murray was able to escape and run around to allow time for DeAndre Hopkins to get downfield and in position and the missed tackle that would have stopped the game that Kyler Murray just got away from. I said all that, but I would like to say that for the excitement of the final minute of the game, this was not really a good showing for either team. Both offenses stalled at different points in the game and turned the ball over multiple times. The defenses were good, but also gave up chunk plays and long drives, and at times they seemed ineffectual. The Cardinals have a dynamic quarterback, and that's not up for debate. His quickness and speed are astounding, but what's more is he's also very elusive and can just get out of the grasp of defenders. Case in point, the final play of the game. But in this game, he held onto the ball too long multiple times, or he wasn't able to evade in the proper way and couldn't make the plays that needed to be made. The Cardinals won the game, thanks to Kyler Murray's ability and DeAndre Hopkins being amazing. However, they were also very much in danger of losing this game and dropping to 5-4. and four. For the Bills, Josh Allen was solid early but made mistakes late in the game. Only one of his mistakes led to points by the Cardinals, but the mistakes could be costly moving forward. He does seem more confident in his abilities and what he can do. He seemed to get the ball out in the right time, at the right place. He seems to be improving, which is very good for him. But the big story for the Bills in this game is Stephon Diggs. He continues to be a revelation for them and was well worth what they gave up for him. The touchdown reception to take the lead was on a route against future Hall of Famer Patrick Peterson, who is known as a shutdown corner and who is known as not someone you can just, you know, manhandle. And it wasn't that Stefan Diggs manhandled him as much as he outquicked him and was open for a pass that only he could catch from Josh Allen. Side note, one of the cool things for the Bills was kicker Tyler Bass set his career long on three back-to-back kicks. He went for 54 yards and then 55 yards and then 58 yards on three consecutive field goals. It's a really cool thing for him. The Cardinals face the Seahawks on Thursday night while the Bills head into their bye. Let's get into the rest of the games from this week. Thanks to a last-second field goal, the Lions overcame the Washington football team 30-27. Washington kicker Dustin Hopkins tied the game with 16 seconds left on the clock. But Detroit's Matt Prater broke the tie as time expired with a 59-yard field goal. Alex Smith started his first game since 2018 and had a good showing, throwing for 390 yards and no interceptions, but also no touchdowns. The Cleveland Browns defeated the Houston Texans 7-10. 
Baker Mayfield had his second consecutive game of only completing 12 passes for under 140 yards and no touchdowns. He didn't throw any interceptions, which is a benefit, but the last two weeks have still been very bad showings. Nick Chubb returned from injury this week and came away with 126 rushing yards and a touchdown. The Packers won a close game against the Jaguars 24-20. Aaron Rodgers was an efficient 24 of 34 for 325 yards and two touchdowns, but also through his third interception of the year. Marquez Valdez-Skentling had a big game going for 149 yards on four catches, one of which was a 78-yard touchdown from Rodgers. The Eagles floundered in their first game off of their bye, losing to the Giants 27-17. Daniel Jones had one of the best games of his career on Sunday. He was 21 of 28 throwing the ball for 244 yards and no touchdown and no interceptions. He also ran the ball nine times for 64 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown run was a 34-yard scamper where he outran multiple Eagles defenders. The Buccaneers rebounded from last week's loss to dominate the Panthers 46-23. Most of the scoring came in the second half of this game as the score was tied at 17 at halftime. Ronald Jones was the star of this game with 192 yards on 23 carries. His biggest gain was a 98-yard touchdown run that set the franchise record for the longest run by a Buccaneer. The Chargers fell to the Dolphins 29-21 in a game where neither quarterback fared well. Tua Tagovailoa had 169 yards and two touchdowns, while Justin Herbert had 187 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. The Rams handed the Seahawks their second straight loss 23-16. Russell Wilson's recent turnover troubles continue to haunt him as he had two interceptions and a fumble in this game. Although the Rams got no points off of those turnovers, they did get two touchdowns on the ground from running back Malcolm Brown. The Steelers manhandled the Bengals 36-10. Ricky Chase Claypool had 56 yards but added two touchdowns to bring his season total to seven, which leads all rookie receivers this year. Fellow rookie T. Higgins had a good game for the Bengals with 115 yards and a touchdown. Despite being down early, the Saints rallied to beat the 49ers 27-10. Alvin Kamara had only 15 rushing yards in this game, but made up for that low yardage with two touchdowns. Kamara also had 83 yards on seven receptions and a receiving touchdown. In one of the worst rain games in terms of weather that I have ever seen, the Patriots defeated the Ravens 23-17. Former Alabama running back Damian Harris was the star for the Patriots, rushing for 121 yards on 22 attempts. As a whole, the team combined for 173 yards total on the ground. On Monday night, the Bears lost their fourth consecutive game to the Vikings, 19-13. Vikings rookie Justin Jefferson continued his dominant campaign as he caught eight passes for 135 yards. Adam Thielen was also effective in catching the ball in this game as he had 43 yards and two touchdown receptions. With all the news being thrown around, you need the proper defense. Time for the Cover 3, the top three stories of the week. Number three. Armed robbery charges have been dropped against former New York Giants defensive back DeAndre Baker. And the attorney of his accusers has been charged with extortion. Baker was charged in August with four counts of armed robbery stemming from an incident in which Baker was accused of stealing cash and watches from four men at gunpoint at a house party in Miramar, Florida on May 13th. This story is truly wild to me because it's been a roller coaster. Been all over the place. I remember back in May when the story first broke and there was criticism of the rookie making a bad decision, not only for robbing the people, but being at a party at the height of a pandemic. 
from there, Quentin Dunbar, who was with Baker at the party and also was um, charged, had those charges dropped because of insufficient evidence. Baker was then put on the commissioner's exempt list before being released by the Giants this summer. Finally, this week, the charges were dropped as the extortion case was brought against the attorney who represented the accusers who have all changed their statements about the events of that night. I truly wish DeAndre Baker the best because the deceitful actions of others cost him his job and it looked like it was going to cost him his livelihood. Hopefully he's picked up by a team soon and gets to restart his NFL career. Number two. Drew Brees will be out at least two to three weeks with fractured ribs and a collapsed lung. According to Pro Football Talk, Brees broke three ribs in the game against the Buccaneers, but those weren't diagnosed until the x-ray to check on the two he broke against the 49ers. I feel for Drew Brees because this is rough. Five fractured ribs? and a collapsed lung, I honestly don't know how he's breathing properly. What's even wilder is the idea that he can come back in a few weeks. This man is 41 years old. As a 32-year-old man, if I roll my ankle, I don't want to walk for a week. Breeze has actual broken bones and a collapsed breathing apparatus in his chest. He needs to rest his body and take some time off. This is a serious injury that needs time to heal. For the Saints, this will be a good time to see what they have in Jameis Winston and Tyson Hill. Winston looked a bit out of sorts in relief of Breeze last week. However, I think with time to game plan and get properly adjusted to running with the number ones, he'll be able to come in and be successful. The biggest obstacle he faces is trying not to throw the ball to the other team, which it's Jameis. He loves throwing the ball to the other team. I'm also intrigued by the prospect of Taysom Hill, who Sean Payton and the Saints seem to love. Is this his opportunity to shine and stake his claim to the throne once Breeze is gone? We will see what happens this weekend against the Falcons. I'm personally pulling for Jameis. Number one. Russell Wilson has 10 turnovers in the past four weeks and has fallen out of the MVP conversation in most people's eyes. This is a tough one for me, because two weeks ago, I had Russ as my midseason MVP. But turnovers and three losses in four games have completely turned that around. I don't personally think Russ is entirely out of the MVP conversation at this point, because realistically, he's still leading the league in passing touchdowns with 28, he is in the top five of passing yards, completion percentage, yards per game. And he's top 10 in completions, attempts, and QBR. The turnovers have been a major issue as of late, though. According to PFF, Wilson had 24 big-time throws and three turnover-worthy plays in weeks 1 through 7. Conversely, in weeks 8 through 10, he had only four big-time throws and eight turnover-worthy plays. This is made worse by the fact that turnovers by Russ equal losses for his team. In their nine games, they are 6-0 when he has less than two turnovers. But they're 0-3 when he has more than two. If Russ can right the ship and stop giving the ball up, 
he might be able to redeem himself and get back to the MVP conversation. I will also say that the thing knocking him out of the MVP conversation more than anything else is it doesn't seem like he can overcome Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Like if either of them continues on the clip that they're on, Russell has absolutely no chance of catching up to either one of them. But even more than that, Russ can't slip up anymore because Kyler Murray and Josh Allen are on his heels. And if he mess up again, that's it. And he faces Kyler Murray on Thursday. So, yeah, it's a big game for Russell Wilson. Up, down, or the same, teams are always changing in the power rankings. Continuing their run at number one despite a bye week are the Kansas City Chiefs. At number two is the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. After a close win against the Jaguars, the Green Bay Packers remain at number three. Despite losing quarterback Drew Brees, the Saints stay at number four. The Bucks have pushed their way back into the number five position after 300 plus yards from Tom Brady. The Hail Mary pass to DeAndre Hopkins helped the Cardinals fly into number six. The Raiders climb four spots to land at number seven. Despite their loss to the Cardinals, the Bills rise slightly to number eight. The Rams push their way into the ninth spot this week after forcing three turnovers from Russell Wilson. And after a rain-drenched loss, the Ravens fall to the number 10 spot. There are certain times when AP has a lot to say, and it always starts with two words. Okay, so... Lamar Jackson has been getting a bad rap lately for his quote-unquote inability to get it done in the big game. Although he has had some bad games, I think to say he can't get it done is premature and not true. And it needs to be looked at more in-depthly. So, first off, let's look at his overall record. Since taking over the starting job for Joe Flacco in 2018, Lamar Jackson is 25-6 and six in the regular season. Three of those losses have come to the man most would say is the best quarterback in the league in Patrick Mahomes. Also, this is the person who seems to be the Ravens kryptonite. What's even more interesting is outside of this season, which was a blowout, each game against Mahomes and the Chiefs was a one-possession victory. And in 2018, during Mahomes' MVP run, they ended up having to go overtime. So, going back to Lamar's record, last year he was 5-1 against playoff teams, including wins at Seattle, at Los Angeles against the Rams, and at Buffalo. Not to mention, he beat the eventual NFC champion 49ers this season record against teams over 500 has been worse but not by a lot they're two and two against those teams but for the regular season success that Lamar has had he also has two huge playoff losses looming that make it seem like he can't get the job done those are two games that fall at his feet because he's the quarterback but you also have to understand what happened in those games so going back to the 2018 loss to the Chargers Lamar was a rookie who didn't start the season and did well to lead his team to a 6-1 record and the playoffs. The problem was in his first playoff game, he went against a team that he had played two weeks earlier. Most games like this are split. It's generally the way divisional games go. Most times when you have a very clear record of someone, you do well against them. For the Chargers, this was a game 
where they didn't have to go searching and looking and trying to understand the tape for their opponent. They had it. Like, it was two weeks ago. They knew what happened. They lost. They knew how to fix it for the next game. What's more is that for being down early in this game, he led them back, and they were one drive away from winning. Unfortunately, he fumbled. It was a great defensive play. But again, it's on him. He fumbled. But he did bring his team back, and they were in a position to win the game. Against the Titans in 2019, Lamar did have costly turnovers, but this was compounded by his defense allowing 195 yards to Derrick Henry on the ground. Not to mention, Derrick Henry threw, he threw a touchdown pass. And we must always remember that during this game, Derrick Henry turned Earl Thomas into a lead blocker. You got to win the game at that point. Like, when you turn a defensive player into a lead blocker, you've won the game. Wasn't nothing that Lamar was going to be able to do after that. The Ravens also made a very, very poor decision with the way that they played that game, and they tried to make Lamar a passer. Statistically, it worked as he had, like, 365 yards, but he had two interceptions to only one touchdown. But here's the thing. He threw the ball 59 times. I have a problem with the idea of Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball that many times, let alone Lamar, who is not a pass-first quarterback and should not be relying on his arm for success. But realistically, relying on his leg wasn't working for him that day either because he ran 20 times for 143 yards. Didn't really seem like nothing was working for them that day. The Titans had a game plan that worked perfectly that day. That doesn't excuse Lamar's mistakes. However, there should be some credence given to the opposition being prepared and able to execute effectively. Overall, what I will say about Lamar is that the jury is still out on his ability to get it done in big games. He has had some shortcomings and his bad games have been bad, but he's also come up big against good opponents and to write him off at this point is premature considering the circumstances of his playoff experience and his success in other occurrences. Lamar has potential for success moving forward, but he should be given the proper time to develop and grow before his legacy can be questioned. That's all I have for this week. My name is Arian Parks. I am your host. You can find me on social media at APNFLPod. Also, the All Purpose NFL Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.